Do you want to know how leaders were born? Do you want to understand the behavior of leaders and the dynamics of groups? Do you want to know what is it that makes a leader successful and makes his organization succeed? I invite you to listen to this episode where we will summarize the brilliant book by Simon Sinek. Let's begin. And well, hello, you guys. This week we will be summarizing Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And well, part one, our necessity of feeling safe. To win the trust of people, of anyone, leaders of an organization must first treat them like people, not only employees or robots, because sometimes, for example, in large organizations or when you have a lot of people to command, you forget that they are actually humans and they feel the same way as you do about everything. And you just treat them as a number or as an, or just a robot or something like that. And well, as the saying says, treat people like you want to be treated. To win their trust, you must trust them also. It has to be something that's mutual. And something that helps with this is that to make an organization more dynamic is to leave everything to their reach. For example, everybody could go to any place in the building. There is no like forbidden zone. Everyone has access to the Wi-Fi or to use the telephone. They don't. The idea is that people don't have to ask for permission. You understand? It's like giving liberty. And that changes a series of things in the general working. Besides this way, people can feel more comfortable and that leads them to be more productive. And well, also, like to form a culture within the organization, you have to feel like you belong there. If not, it will just be enemy territory all the time. Besides, when somebody feels like comfortable, safe, etc., they will make a greater effort for you because they will think this is not only for, for the company, this is also for me. They will make a voluntary effort, not just you're forcing them or something like that. Besides, consider this curious proposition. Each employee is the son or daughter of somebody. The employer, as a father, is responsible for each of them. And that is what leadership is all about. You have to take care of people. And well, as we know, businesses and organizations are facing a lot of dangers. Some may be real, like for example, your competition just launch a new product or something. And they are also imaginary dangers. Like for example, can you predict the values of the stock market like will you come will you comply with the expectations that your clients have for you and things like that i it's not something that it's tangible or even like predictable and well leaders must take care of their team from all of these dangers And well, the size of the organization actually does affect everything. Think about it like this. The smaller the company is, it will be more vulnerable, but at the same time, it will be much easier to handle. The bigger it is, the less vulnerable, but it will be also very hard to handle it. And well, bosses and supervisors must have contact with their subordinates. 
And while this is important because it has been proven that while people are in contact with their supervisors or some person of authority greater than them, they actually are more motivated. Even if you criticize them or like anything that you think might like take out their motivation, actually having contact than not having contact at at all it's much better for them so even if you're telling them something bad or anything have contact with them it will be much better for their psychological health and will obviously try to implement some system of giving incentives like for the sake of everyone because nobody like likes to work for free or thinking that they don't win anything and well part two powerful forces Did you know that the chemical substances of progress are the endorphins and dopamine? These are hormones that make us feel well and they also help us move through life and achieve our objectives. Endorphins will mask suffering. That means they will help you when you're feeling bad or when something hurts so that it doesn't hurt so much. Dopamine is the satisfaction that comes after you do something right. And this too will orient us and will give us desires of progress. Now, some little advice. If you want your goals to be easy to reach, get goals that are tangible, something that you can see, something that you can touch, something that you can actually produce or have, not something that is more like spiritual or subjective, for example. And well, we also obviously have chemical substances and genetic attitudes that actually make us want to belong to a group. And humanity has survived because of that, because of working in groups. We generally feel like a feeling of satisfaction when we help somebody else for that same reason, because we have that gene inside of us that makes us want to belong. That is why we can help with other people and we can make bigger and more important projects with other people than alone. And the more we give of ourselves so that others succeed, the more our, our value to the group will be and the more respect they will have for us. And the more respect they have for us and the more like renowned we are, the greater our status will be and we will have more incentives to keep this going. It's going to be a cycle that gets bigger and bigger and that's actually how it should be. And well, there is also a certain chemical that is called cortisol, and this is liberated when we feel danger. And this chemical is the famous cause of the famous stress. And well, as a part of our defense system, as against dangers for us and for our group, we release this. And well, sorrowfully for you, but this actually is very bad for your mental and physical state. And well, we also have the adrenaline. This will provide us energy when we are actually facing a danger and when we need to get into action. Now, changing a bit of subject. Think about your employees as you think or would think about your children. 
Practically, you want it to be like mutual compromise and respect, but you also want them to be better, right? Because, I mean, you don't want worse employees. You want them to be better every time. And well, if you have kids, I doubt them you would want them to be bad, right? So, if you think about them like that, you're gonna, your organization is going to be like a little family. Like everybody says, oh my God, we're a big family. Yeah, I mean, this is because it is. This is the reason. Well, now let's go to the past. When we were like cavemen or Neanderthals or something like that, the hunters would come back from hunting and logically everyone was hungry, right? But how did you resolve the problem of who would eat first? I mean, it's not like now where we would like make prepare everything in a kitchen and then everybody would make a line and everything like that. No, people were not so educated back then. So, well, what happened was that leaders were the ones that voluntarily gave a step back so that somebody else would eat first. And while this made them release serotonin, which is also a feel-good hormone, and well, their status grew because they were important, so they went to the back. That's why hierarchies were born. And due to this social status, alphas through time also got greater benefits. In those times, it was just like choosing a mate, but through the pass of time, we could see certain leaders and celebrities having more and more benefits. For example, um, a present example would be like, would you see a president taking his own suitcase? And well, that will be weird, right? There's always somebody like doing something for him. And it's an honor to actually do something for a leader, for somebody famous, for somebody who's respectable. It's an honor for you, right? So, well, that was the objective. And that is also why we like to speak about our accomplishments, like hang our diplomas on the wall and exhibit our trophies, so that everybody can see what we have accomplished. And well, the objective is that everybody knows that we are smart, that we are strong, and that we're worthy of the advantages of an alpha. Because, come on, everybody wants to be an alpha, everyone wants to be a leader. All the gratifications, all the benefits, and all the advantages can be obtained because of your rank and the charge. It's not for you, it's for the rank. And well, the objective of the leader of any organization is to find the balance of the organization. Now, part three, the reality. The responsibility of a leader consists in protecting from the top the people that work on the bottom. However, it is the fact that only a small amount of employees feel like happy in their jobs. The reality of the DLEO is that we have constructed systems and organizations that don't really help an employee achieve his maximum performance. And due to an excess of dopamine that is only like momentous satisfaction, it doesn't bring you permanent satisfaction. And due to the cortisol that flows endlessly through our system, the reality is that we have built a system that does the opposite of maximizing performance. It incites us to take care of us first that is the selfish thing to do no alpha has progressed or has been made that way we have created a system that will not produce leaders 
And this is actually the biggest reason why the self-help and self-improvement business is growing. When we try to feel better, it seems that we only feel worse. The demand of these services and businesses, self-help books and etc. is growing and growing like nothing before it. And well, if you are already happy, you don't seek help, right? That only means that there are more unhappy people every day looking for a solution and they will never get it. Now, part four, how did we get here? Well, after the Second World War, people celebrated, and they celebrated, and they celebrated. And well, nine months after that came the baby boom period. And well, there comes from, from that time comes the baby boom generation. And well, baby boomers are mature as a generation, and they started doing things very differently and very selfishly. During the decade of the 80s, United States was no longer a country that was like looking for discovering how to mobilize their population into a war or something like that. They were not trying to win anything anymore. They were now trying to find out how to take advantage of the incredible years of this boom, the crazy 80s. During this period of time, many economical theories were launched and created so that baby boomers could protect their new accumulated riches. And this was a time where we were also accepting that the products had a shorter lifespan. And well, this is also a time where massive pink slips were issued. Companies were firing people like never before. In reality, this was actually provoked by something President Reagan did. And well, he actually fired one time like 10,000 like workers from airlines and aerial work. He just fired 10,000 of them. And so companies thought, well, if he does that, then why can't I do that? It will save me money and everything. Why can't I do that? So, well, leaders were not committed to their employees, and if they are not committed to their employees, how can they be a good leader? They are not doing the most basic form of leadership that is taking care of somebody else. And well, the evidence is packed by the analysts that rehearsed like too much pressure over the directives because they were like, oh, the stock is moving this way, so you have to deliver this. And due to that pressure, it didn't help. And well, said in a more simpler manner, the more pressure leaders feel inside a company to satisfy the expectations of like external collaborators or analysts or their, or their bigger bosses, it is more likely that they will reduce their capacity to offer better products and services. And the problem is that we don't see each other as people anymore. We are clients, we are actionists, we are employees, we are avatars, we are online profiles, we are numbers on a, an Excel sheet, we are uh, phone addresses, we are uh, expenses. We are not a human beings anymore, we are virtual beings. Now, more than ever, we are trying to work and to live and being productive and happy in a world that we are all unknown to each other. The problem is that abstraction can be only like damaging for our economy and it can get to be lethal. 
Now, part five, the challenge of abstraction. While many scientific tests and studies have been made and it has been proven that people obeyed quite easily, even if we don't have a, like, a familiar authority over us, we will obey in most cases, whichever the order is actually. And well, the standard of modern capitalism is the following. There is only one empresarial responsibility. Use the resources and participate in activities designed to increase the benefits and make the company stay within the rules of the game. And the rules of the game being like political laws, fiscal laws, etc. For example, Apple actually made millions of dollars extra from not paying taxes by establishing subsidiaries in Ireland, while taxes for companies are based in where they are encountered. For example, Apple is registered in the United States. However, the tributary code in the US calculates the tributary debt of one company based on where it keeps or saves their money, and Apple saves it in Ireland as well. This distinction actually got Apple to like keep the keep a lot of money from taxes, like bending the rules like you know it's still within the rules they are just bending them a little and well they are within the rules of the game and it's all for the greater good of the company you see by doing this between 2009 and 2012 they saved 74 million dollars actually 74,000 million dollars from the reach of the IRS and well awesome right Apple doesn't deny it. As Apple is one of the great innovators of our times, this actually is a pioneer technique used to derive the benefits of subsidiaries and sending them through Holland and the Caribbean so that you can elude American taxes that are actually pretty big. There are many other companies that have copied them ever since. Now, moving on to another subject. A number of people isn't people, it's a number. As we said before, people are no longer counted as such, they are only statistics and things. And while this can actually see itself pretty well when we use empathy to see this. For example, we are like we feel more sorry for an individual or for a single history of a single person that is having a bad time than when we are told that a lot of people are having a bad time. When we are told elevated numbers and stuff, we cannot imagine every single people. And that is why we don't feel very sorry for them at the same time. And well, how can we deal with abstraction? Rule number one, communication. But not only communication through mails or social media, we need real communication face to face. Human interaction, like real, live human interaction makes us feel part of something. It helps us develop trust and the capacity to feel something for each other. That is how we innovate. That is why workers that work at great distances never feel part of the team and never work with the same intensity as the ones that see each other every day. Now, rule number two, make it manageable. People like average people have can have no more than 150 close relations. And that is like tops, 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 tops. 
That is why you have to be comfortable with the number of people you are working. Like, don't be distant with anybody. Ha make it manageable for you. And rule number three, know who you are helping. We are social beings and this makes us feel well. And it shows us which is our, our purpose. Now, rule number four, don't give only money as an incentive. A leader cannot limit himself to paying his executives and their subordinates. However, you can offer your time, you can offer your effort. Time is a great asset, offer them some time or something like that, or like give something of your time too. These executives will be more willing to give them to give you their time and their energy in exchange. Now, rule number five, be patient. Doing something as right as it may seem, it's not anything more than a bet. You are hoping that it comes out good, but the probabilities against you are still there. And well, also don't spend a lot of time somewhere where you don't feel that you belong. That is very bad for you and it's bad for the company. So make yourself feel like you belong or get out of there. Now, part six, destructive abundance. Something that always happens is that a group starts with very little and then they move through having an accident of things. And here's when an imbalance comes up. And well, moving on to culture. Each culture has its own history, its own traditions, its own language and symbols. And we identify ourselves with a culture. We give expressions to our belonging to that group and we defend a, like, a set of values and beliefs that are adopted by the community. And well, the culture sets like the course for the company. For example, within a weak culture, we move apart from doing the right thing to do what benefits me. It's a selfish thing and it's not good for the company in general, right? So that is the culture. It's weak and it doesn't motivate teamwork or anything like that. And well, when cultural standards like move away from the character values or beliefs to concentrate on performance numbers and other dopamine backups, our hormones will like actually impulse this unbalanced culture and conduct. This dilutes our will of trusting people and collaborating with them. Now, moving forward, we said that as the culture goes, the organization will go and well. How the leader is will affect the culture. The leader is the one who marks the tone of the organization. Leaders are the ones that, like when they become dictators, they take away importance of other people. And well, they put themselves first. And well, this actually makes the company go through a lot of dangers without protection as we said before organizations and groups choose leaders so that they can protect us from these external dangers and well we this is actually destroying the whole concept of leadership a true leader is the one that stops giving orders it's the one that offers guide that offers objectives that allows others to discover what they actually can do best and it 
and a leader helps them reach their objectives. When we suspect that leaders are saying things to like a parent, something greater than they are, for example, when they are talking to write, to to good about themselves, it's suspicious because they are supposed to be a little humbler than that. And our natural response will be to lose our trust in them. All leaders to actually lead must run through the halls and pass time with the people that they serve. Leadership is something visual. You have to see them. And well, obviously this is not always how it happens. It is very, very common that leaders will manage things thinking about the corporate benefits instead of the people. And this is a very common when like a company decides to fire a bunch of people so that they can reduce expenses and stuff. They don't care about the people. They just care about the money. And well, it is, well, it is obviously they will like get greater benefits, but also like they will lose the respect of people and they will never leave a legacy behind them. And well, this now there's another subject that when a new leader comes in, the new leader doesn't know how to lead and how to control with as much efficiency as its predecessor. And it's doubtful that the people in the organization will take chances or dangers for that leader to keep his vision. And this will bring problems too, because they will be too busy trying to protect themselves from each other, because their leader cannot do that. He's new, he doesn't know anything. The clients will never believe in a company that it works like this. Now, part seven, a society of addicts. Leadership consists in being responsible for lives, not responsible for numbers. The directors take care of the numbers and our results. Our social conscience and our desire to belong is part of anthropological growth. We all want to feel welcome and feel like a valuable part of a group. The preoccupation for what others think of us is a natural like, part of our development and it is necessary for our survival. Something that can be damaging is that us as a society are addicted to dopamine. We like quick pleasures like food or alcohol, but this goes away after just a little while. If you want real lasting satisfaction, you have to get rid of these quick satisfactions and pleasures. These addictions will only motivate the process of wanting to like take care of your own interests and like don't care about anything else or nobody else. For example, the generation of the baby boomers is the one of me before others. There will never be real progress like this. And today, more than ever, this, this is growing and, make, and making itself stronger. With the pandemic and the COVID, we all are experiencing like sentiments of solitude and, well, we, we cannot keep going like this. It's not me first than anyone. Well, you will never be a leader like that. And well, part eight, how to become a leader. In our organizations, service is the key to overcome our addiction to dopamine. 
I'm not talking to serving clients, employees, or actionists or investors. I'm talking about like real human services, like you are serving real human, tangible people that you work with every day. People shouldn't feel like abandoned or lonely as they do right now. People should, should be helped get over this. A good formula for a small business consists in sharing the struggle for their limited resources and working with people that are decided to construct something out of nowhere. Leaders of successful organizations wish to innovate and win the loyalty and the support of their own, of their subjects. They seek to restructure the problems that they are facing. Survival should not be the motivator. The motivator has to be growth. Leadership is the responsibility of anyone that forms part of the group. We all have to start right now of making little things for the sake of others. We have to be the leaders we want to have. And well, that is it for the summary of the book. We hope you enjoyed it really much. It was one of the best books we've summarized. And well, see you next week with our new book, Think and Grow Rich. It will be very interesting. Hope you're in for it. Goodbye, folks.